0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. it get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left in the corner, gets up, center! Perry! Oh! Corey
1: Perry! Oh, able to shake away from Solani. It's giving away this- What, what do we even, <laughs> what do we even do? It's not a post game anymore. How do we? It's uh, not. How do we do this now? How do we run through this? Just, just quit. I guess yeah. I
0: should sell this. Sell this laptop. You just, you, you move back to London. Get out of
1: wherever you are now, and just you know, we just had a good run. Full rundown. stop. Quit. Just everything. Yeah. yeah. Not even just the podcast. Just everything. It's
0: just really not worth the effort anymore. I mean, we got how many people in there right now? Two, three. Oh.
1: <laughs> uh, enough, enough, enough. All right, that's <laughs> just you and me. No, no, we can't, uh, we can't do it. But uh, yeah, if you guys are joining us or you're listening later, welcome to the uh, the Forever Mighty Podcast, the new format, the twice a week format. No longer are we doing the post game show. A lot of people want us to switch over to to this format so we could better serve you guys on a more consistent basis. And here we are, uh, on time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, is- <laughs> well, five minutes. Okay, we we went live at ten thirty but or 7:30 yeah. but yeah. uh we're actually now it's it's 5 minutes after but uh, at least you know it's not 20 minutes later That's that's usually how the post game goes we'll say we're we say yeah. we're going to go live 15 to 20 minutes after the game and uh it it turns into 30 to 45 some nights but uh that's that's what yeah, happens it's usually when you go on uh, the
0: fly. it's yeah it's technical difficulties uh, is a common phrase that we would do <laughs> <laughs> post game
1: sometimes it's it's technical difficulties sometimes it's uh somebody's late to the party but we do have three ducks games that we missed it should be two but we missed the postgame show uh i missed the post not show. us not us you <laughs> for the, the the one that was supposed to be the last postgame show of the postgame yeah. show era uh against yeah. the vancouver canucks with the ducks won 2 one in overtime uh ryan getzlaff gets the ot winner which was beautiful oh, and, and so poetic nice. in game number 99 <laughs> that he gets that they end up losing in overtime 3-2 in game number 1000 for Ryan Getzlaff and and talk about poetic how Mm. does this work out that Ryan Getzlaff plays game number (laughs) 1000 in the Ducks 2000's game where he's played in exactly half of the Ducks games obviously now that's changed but at that point uh, I don't know if that's ever happened I don't think that's ever happened
0: probably not where it's an even 50 can you imagine yeah. the uh the guy who's setting a schedule and uh, his o- ocd kick starts going it's like oh my god oh my god if he stays healthy it's a thousand <laughs> and two thousand we're perfectly even and chicago if i'm not mistaken is the first team he scored a goal against so and
1: it's, it it all it hits all the numbers yeah
0: all all the numbers kind of hit for that ocd just like ah,
1: okay Ah, oh,
0: perfect. Like, yeah, relax. It. It's like if Gretzky hit nine hundred goals, you're like, Okay, OCD can calm it, down, but he stops at
1: eight <laughs> Is it bad that I was sitting there and as as you know, as great as I felt for Ryan Getzlaff and as, you know, nice as it was to hit a thousand for him, I was sitting there thinking, Man, Cory Perry could have been here too. Like this mm-hmm. you know, we could have been celebrating Cory I guess it would have came before, uh or maybe mm-hmm. not this year with the injury he had, but uh we would have been celebrating Cory Perry's a thousand game with the Ducks to do this year too.
0: Yeah, I mean, bittersweet, but there's a difference between what Ryan Getzloff can bring to this team and what Corey Perry can bring to any team. Um, So, you know, yeah, you kind of wish and hope that would happen, but it's either going to be, yeah, it was just going to stifle things up. I mean, I I think they almost carried Corey Perry for as long as they could, and they just at that point it was just done, and it was like, all right, well, Quite honestly, who are you more proud of? I know this sounds bad, but who are you more proud of hitting that thousand game mark, Getzloff or Perry? <sighs> it's,
1: Get, yeah, Getzloff? yeah, I guess it's. Getzloff. I mean, I if you guess. had to choose between
0: the two, who do you who do you see as more of the franchise player? It's
1: Getzloff. Yeah, and he's still here. But uh, <laughs> graphic that the, the NHL put out, or NHL stats put out, uh, about the other players to skate in half of their franchise's all time games. Uh, Patrick Marlowe's number one, now he's like sixty high sixties or something, sixty nine point <laughs> uh, five percent, around seventy. Miko Koivu is number two, sixty seven point eight percent of Minnesota Wilds games. Uh, David Legwand was uh, number three, and he was at fifty eight percent. Chris Phillips mm-hmm. with the Sens uh, and, and uh, Daniel Alfredsson both at fifty six point seven and fifty six point six percent. And then uh, Brian Little, with Winnipeg, Winnipeg. and Atlanta, with fifty four point seven percent. And then Nick Schultz with Minnesota, oh, yeah. And then obviously Ryan Getzlaf at exactly fifty percent. Nick Schultz was at fifty one percent, so he was close. And uh, shout out to Brett for becoming we we finally got if nobody and and I guess if you're listening to this post, then this doesn't matter to you. But uh, Pat finally set up our Twitch affiliate, so uh, Brett finally was able to use his Twitch Prime and uh, be the first one. And he just he just showed it out first in the chat. So thanks uh, thanks Brett for doing that. Uh, and then the the last game, game number three, which was yesterday, the Ducks lost four two to the Minnesota Wild after leading two nothing. Uh, most disappointing game of the three because the Minnesota yeah. Wild have been awful, and it's Bruce Boudreau, and it's Alex Stalock in net, and it's the yeah, fact exactly. the Wild can't score any goals, and and they you know they had a two nothing lead, and then they end up losing four nothing. I think that's that was the tough one, that was the big one for me. I mean, you you lose an OT to the Blackhawks, but you came back from down 0-2 in that game. And Vancouver was on, what, I think it was eight of their last nine. They'd won, and you end up winning that tight 1-2-1 one, one in overtime. And this one was kind of deflating after what I thought was two pretty good games from the Ducks.
0: Yeah, uh, they, they looked pretty decent in the first. And obviously to start the second, they looked really good. But then uh, the, an old adage of that penalties seemed to just kill them and it was all of a sudden it was like they took that penalty they got a goal against and now it's 2-1 in the second and they just never seemed to fully recover but you know the uh, the, the ducks tried they tried to get those goals in but uh you know it just it wasn't happening and that's a lot of what minnesota had been dealing with in recent times but hey just Come over to Anaheim. Every now and again, you'll, you'll find a way to score some goals. So it was uh, a brutal end to uh, those
1: three games for sure. Especially lately. Now, the, the Ducks in their first 12 had only given up 16 goals against. And I believe that was around top, either top two or top three in the league through those first 12 games. Over their last five, 12 goals against. They sit, I believe, their fifth most goals against over that that five-game span. So, you know, it's been a bit of a shift for them. Uh, They're 30th in shot attempts Mm -hmm. against. in in Korsi 4 percentage with 41.58 over those last five games. Dead last in scoring chances against, giving up 124. And they've given up the second most shots against with 145 over that span. Uh, big shift, and not only that, uh, the goaltending, I don't want to say it's dropped off, because when you're giving up the most, second-most scoring chances and the most shots against, then that's going to drop off. But the save percentage has dropped from nine point point nine four seven in those first 12 <laughs> games, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, don't over, expect to keep that. that, that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in the last five games, it, it dropped down to .917, which is an awful... It's it's, it's league enough. average, right? But uh, yeah. the problem is is you know giving up the second most shots against and the most scoring chances against and sitting, you know, bottom two in in possession is not great. And the he, fact that they actually won two of those games is, is mm-hmm. somewhat decent. I think it was two two and one over those last it, five games.
0: Yeah, and even even with uh, just Chicago, we still at least got a point out of it. You know, then and the way we wanted it, but also with the backup goalie, but. Also, you know, I'm not going to sit here and just think that the the dogs have just entered into a realm of which they can't come back. Yeah, they've they've hemorrhaged a lot of shots. They're also missing through most of those games three of their top four defensemen. Name another team that's given up three of their top four defensemen and all of a sudden is just excelling at defense. They're going to give up more chances, more quality chances, and some of those are going to go in. You can't, I mean, leading up to that, you could expect the Ducks goaltending to just stop it at two goals. Uh, And for the most part, they do that. If they go over three, maybe a little bit off, but they go four or five, it's just a shell of a game for them. But, you know, losing that talent on defense it's absolutely that top end talent that's gonna you're gonna hemorrhage more goals it's just gonna happen might hold on a little while but eventually it starts catching up to you when Delzado, uh Gabrunson and uh Holzer and you know are the guys you're you're looking to yeah, to kind of shore that, things up
1: <laughs> yeah when that's uh that's three of your six uh you you mm-hmm. kind of expect these and, and all three of those guys are not I want to say that they're not guys who should be in a top six anywhere, and that's no offense to, to Delzato. I mean, I guess it is. It's it's a bit of offense. To, to Some of them could be top they're, they're, six. They're, I think they're, <laughs> yeah, maybe, but I don't think if you're a championship team, are you No. Right, – let, let's pose it this way. If you're a championship team, are you willing to have good Branson, Holter, or Delzato as your six man? I don't think I am
0: it depends how good your top four is because <laughs> if your yeah. top four defensemen are are your workhorses and the ones you're going to see most of the time I, i'm not opposed to a first round draft pick like brunson being in there and being a physical Ooh, presence
1: man. you threw the first round Third overall yeah, draft.
0: Yeah, yes, rest. I did. So he hasn't quite lived up to that expectation, but hey, neither has Nick Ritchie. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind them being in that sixth, fifth or sixth role, especially if they're bigger, a little bit more physical. Usually your top four don't tend to be those guys. They tend to be more skill. Responsible defensively, but you kind of need some of those guys. So, i if you're asking me straight up, do I think they could fill a five or six role? Yes, but we're asking them to fill a, a second or a third or a fourth line role, and that's not where uh, a championship team would have
1: them. Jimmy, Jimmy's reminding us that that's a uh, Stanley Cup champion, Michael Delzado. Del <laughs> and Stanley respect. Cup champion, Michael Delzado, and former third overall pick. Eric Goodbranson. Yes. So we got to check ourselves a bit there. Uh, Brett brings up a good point, though. The, <laughs> the issue with the Ducks is they have four, six, or seven guys right now. They've got Holzer, Delzato, Goodbranson, and uh, Jakob Larson. And Jakob Larson, actually, the, the last game that he played was one of his best games. He got his first NHL goal. He's one of the Ducks' best players in that game. But he's still learning, still developing, still Feels like it's been forever for him, where, you know, from where the Ducks drafted him and in how high, I guess not highly touted, but there was some optimism that he was eventually going to be that top four guy for the Ducks and in not the same mold as Hampus Linton, but a similar player and just a, a kind of a steady, reliable guy. And we're still waiting for that. And, and not to say he's been awful. And I think it's tough getting paired with Kirby and Holzer for most of the season. But he also has not individually done great and I think there was you know a a nice step forward in the last game but there's still work some work to be done before Jakob Larson can I guess feel safe that he's earned a place on this team for the long run
0: yeah and you know as an organization the Ducks really weren't anticipating going very far it was mostly hey get these guys in get them some experience let them learn what they need to do uh, that sort of deal. Um, so uh, once again, uh, you know, if you're expecting the ducks to just be, you know, a 60 win team or a 50 win team, it's it's not going to happen. If they get in, they're sneaking in. And you're going to have that learning curve. They're going to have those setbacks. They're going to have their successes. Uh, that's going to go from the defense, who are got a lot of young players in there. Mahur is another one. And the forwards, where you look at Max Jones, Steele, Terry, they're still going to have that learning curve that's going to take a little bit. So when they struggle a little bit, I'm not too worried unless they are just not getting any chances. And the team's still getting chances, and they're going to, like I said, learn, and they're going through a lot of, injuries which we were hoping wouldn't happen but it seems to be more of a staple uh than uh, an asterisk so yeah you, you work through it it's early in the season I'm not going to get too down on any of the players that are young and don't quite have that experience yet they'll learn and it's all going to be a learning experience this season for them
1: yeah and, and Jakob Larson's still 22 years old He's not old by any means. Um, you know, maybe he's he's old in the sense that the Ducks have some really young players coming up, and and yeah. in that sense maybe. But uh, or we've think, heard him forever. You know. Yeah, he, he's like definitely, that name yeah. is like
0: he's coming up, he's coming up, and it's like, oh right, well, I've heard that for the last three years. But he's right. only twenty-two. Oh, that was older. <laughs> yeah, and I
1: think in, in his case too is it's he's come over from Europe. He's been in the AHL for a while. He's been with the Ducks. I I think he even played a little bit in his rookie season with the Ducks. He he played, I think, just under nine games so they could send him back. So he's been around for a while. Uh, And, and, you know, he kind of got the similar treatment to Cam Fowler, who's on pace for a career year. Cam Fowler played his rookie season with the Ducks. Best year of his career was that first year. He had 10 goals and 40, uh, 40 points on the year. Right now he's on pace for thirty-eight points. Can he reach it? Can he do yeah. it? Now he's been he's been very good, and he, he's I think he's put up what four goals so far this season, three or four. Yeah. So if, there is some optimism he might hit that if he stays healthy.
0: If he stays healthy, in my opinion, yeah, he could I I don't see. If he plays 82 games and this style stays the way it is, and especially if we get more of those, like, you know, better defensemen back, the Lindholms, the, the Mansons, you know, adding gooley to that, um, you'll start seeing him free up a little bit more. But this style is designed by Aikens, Coach Dallas Aikens, to have the defense move in. I've seen Delzato uh, below the goal line. is not a goal scorer. Brunson's not a goal scorer, but I see them in the play trying to create offense. And then you add someone of Cam Fowler's um, offensive expertise, in my opinion, he hasn't had this opportunity since his rookie year or close to it to actually thrive offensively. So I think if he stays healthy 82 games, I can easily see him getting a, you know, a point every other game. That doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility, and we're talking about a 40-point getter in the Ducks uh,
1: defense. I mean, we hope so, right? Like that's I don't uh, think so. That's the goal for Cam Fowler is, is to get to that point. That, I mean, that's what's been expected of him since he basically came in and, and had that excellent rookie year. I mean, 40 points by a defenseman in their first season, especially a kid who just came out of the draft. That puts a lot of expectations on you for, for you to improve on that, and and Cam Fowler has not done that yet. He he hasn't surpassed that point total from his rookie season. The closest he got was 39, and yeah, mm-hmm. he, he missed a few games that year. I think he played just above 70 games. So it, it's nice to see him with a big rebound because last year, not just for him, but last year was a struggle for all Ducks players, and Cam Fowler, <laughs> <never> Cam <laughs> Fowler couldn't find... A home with anybody. And, and, you know, it was supposed to be with Brandon Montour. And that mm-hmm. never really, they never really got put together last year. It was uh, Fowler and Manson. And, and they were riding that ship into the grave because it just didn't work out for them last year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like that like Titanic. It's all going down, yeah. baby.
1: Uh, but the,
0: yeah, the other thing too is I think like Cam Fowler is kind of like at the realization it's like, all right, he's what, 20, he's 28 now seems like he's old at 28 yeah. but it's just like he's been around long enough and i think he's almost gone like all right i'm at 28 now haven't won the cup i'm good i've been good my mentality is good uh, my time to take over like I mean at this point I'm going to be the offensive uh, juggernaut there's no more Voughton and there's there's no more Montour where like oh these guys will provide some more offense and Cam's a good skater can kind of chip in every now and again it's like they need me and I want to provide that so he's, he seems like he's got a completely different drive this season so that's why I'm more optimistic he's looking for those chances because now he's in a system that kind of uh, nurtures that attitude of uh, defense getting in and making plays happen.
1: Yeah, and he has been kind of paired with a bunch of different guys this year because Brennan gooley has been in another <laughs> lineup, so it's been a tough yeah. go for him. Uh, Josh Mahura came up and uh, impressed in the first game, put up three assists that he played in, and he got paired with uh, Cam Fowler, I think, in one of the games before getting sent back down. And, and, you know, that's a guy I think right now, we talked about Jakob Larson, that's a guy who's hot on Jakob Mm. Larson's heels right now to come up and take a spot from him. Because Larson can, I believe, still get sent down to San Diego without waivers. I believe he's still waiver-exempt, which is ridiculous because we just talked about how it feels like he's been around for the last four or five seasons. I could be Mm. wrong, but... If he is waiver-exempt, you would have to assume Josh Maher is right behind him. And, and it's tough to get anything going in San Diego this year. But as we've seen from Mahura in the past, every time he comes up with the Ducks, he impresses. And he, he does well. And you know he plays to his strengths. And that's his passing ability and his skating. And uh, you'd have to think that Josh Maher is knocking on the door. But the problem becomes for the Ducks is you know, you've got Lindholm and, and, and Fowler who are playing good this year. And no matter if they were or not, those are your two guys on the top two pairing. And unless you're going to play four or five lefties, there's maybe one or two spots left for Jakob Larson and Josh Mahura. And, And sometimes it's not the best idea to throw one of those guys on their offside. It worked with Brendan Gooley at times, but then Cam Fowler was the guy who shifted over to the right side. Jakob Larson's played on the right at occasion, but he's always found his way back to the left. So you'd have to think right now that final spot between the two young guys comes between Jakob Larson and Josh Mahara.
0: Well, you know where I stand, uh, and uh, I guess most of our listeners would maybe know where I stand on this. I'm not a, a big believer in if you're a defenseman playing on your offhand that it's such a detriment and it's so so hindering to your game that your stick happens to be in the center of the ice versus along the boards. Yeah, it makes quicks. Uh, oh, I got to get it out. It makes it easier to do it on your forehand versus your backhand. But I think when your forehand is on the inside, you are more open to making moves around. So I'm not opposed to guys that not are not playing their normal wing. As long as they feel comfortable doing it, and some guys won't be, but if they're comfortable doing it, Cam Fowler started just all of a sudden Experimenting with it out of necessity once Carlisle left, and he, all of a sudden you just saw this guy darting in and out of of plays and moving the puck out versus you know just chip out, move on, and you know change. Whether that's the the style of play or just that hey, let's play on your off wing and see if you get a little bit more opportunities. You're willing to hold the puck a little bit more, make better play. And just I, I, I'm not a big believer in the hands, your handedness.
1: Yeah, you have to be in that lane. Well, you've always been on that train, right? Yeah. We talked about this uh, multiple times on the post-game show already. That as as long as you can play, uh, there should be the best six guys in the lineup at all times. Uh, I'm I'm I kind of subscribe to that <laughs> theory, but I, I do <laughs> I do like having at least two right-handed shots in the lineup, and I and I think the Ducks are a perfect kind of case example. Of that this season, and the fact that you know right now their top two right-handed shots are, are Eric Goodbranson and and Kirby Dan Holzer, and yeah. you know you look at you know would you rather have Jakob Larson and Josh Maher and even Michael Delzotto in over those two, you could make the case for it. So there there is an argument there, and yeah. and I think you know one guy we we have to get to because we really haven't talked about him much is uh, is Eric Goodbranson. Not so yeah. not so good, Branson so far. This year, uh, six games oh. with the Ducks so far, one goal. Yeah, one goal, which I <laughs> I still think Ryan left tipped it, but uh, no, I don't. The think NHL, the NHL has has determined that uh, that's Eric Branson's goal. I uh, know it didn't hit off Sam Steele in front; it hit off no. Oliana. No. But I yeah, still win. I should throw this but, up on the stream because oh, I okay, yeah. I'll pull it up. But the angle that they showed it when they slowed it down, it looks like. Ryan Getzlaf gets a small piece of this because it takes a deflection and kind of <laughs> dips down. Now this it, could be it a does,
0: mark, but. yeah. I think it does, but I think it's the the first
1: layer of the uh, um, was it Vancouver, right? Uh this would have been Vancouver. The yeah, uh, was it the Vancouver game? No, because uh, Silverberg and Getzlaf pulled no. that game. Like yeah, Chicago, so uh Chicago. Really game. At, yeah.
0: No, because that, that deflects and Getzloff goes gets the puck later and says that's his first goal. So he grabs the puck and goes, I don't know if he wants it, but he grabbed it from the linesman and like he was mic'd up for that game. And and then he's like, Yeah, it, it's good's goal, it's uh, you know, I don't know if he wants the puck and he like throws it to whatever trainer or whatever. But so, is Brian
1: Getzloff the type of guy Oh, to take no. <laughs> a goal away from somebody especially a guy scoring his first no, goal no because i didn't even think he
0: team. was even that close to deflecting it i i think he, I he he's, the, he's the one who threw it up up to Gabrunson and uh, Gabrunson fired it away i didn't see i watched that whole the whole slow mo where they kind of follow in the puck all the way there um i didn't think sam still deflected it at all either um but yeah it changes direction i mean it it, it doesn't have a straight trajectory towards the goal but i don't think it's gets where it changes direction i think it's the first layer of the chicago i won't say defense there's a forward but you know when they're yeah. out there trying to challenge that's where we,
1: we've got it right? uh, we've got it on the stream now and the initial shot for good branson definitely hits a chicago player stick i can't see which chicago player it is and it's then it the starts knuckling yeah. and then it takes it it takes about a half a foot drop Right, which if it knuckles, Ryan gets left. That will right, and and will. I, I, that's where I couldn't make <laughs> the 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 determination if Ryan gets left, tipped it because it knuckles down right when he kind of throws his stick in that direction, uh, and I'm not sure if he tipped it. I was subscribing to the theory that he did tip it to begin with, no. but I mean, I'll give I'll give credit where credit's due for Eric Branson getting his first goal. That's besides the point, because we knew coming in, uh, having good Branson was going to be an adventure in, in his own zone for him, and it has been, which, again, like I said, is is to be expected. Uh, his shot attempt, of course, he 4 percentage is 41.92. That's, I believe, third worst on the Ducks over that span. Uh, he's, uh, his expected goals per 60, expected goals against is 2.83, which is, I think, third or fourth worst on the Ducks. And he's playing about 17 minutes per game. So he's not playing over 20. But he's still making a significant impact where it looks like, obviously, Hampus Lindholm is carrying the load on that top pairing with whoever he gets paired with. And I think branson has been kind of that guy lately. But it, it seems like Goodbranson is just getting thrown out there five on five. And occasionally, we've seen him on the penalty kill, which I guess is a good thing. Because if you're going to want him to play anywhere, you don't want him playing on the penalty kill. He's been... I don't know. What? How do you feel about him? Because he's been what we expected in the sense that it was always not going to be great. Um, Yeah, man, it's an interesting one.
0: I don't feel like he's been bad. Like,
1: you know, if
0: you're expecting him not to come in and uh, just, you know, replace a top two defenseman on a team, not going to happen. Has he he looked bad? Has he looked slow? Has he looked out of place? No more than anybody else on defense. Uh, So... In my opinion, I think he's he's a little bit better because I was I was worried about all those underlying stats that he has and all those underlying stats just say oh he's the worst he's worse than the worst how is he in the NHL and I look at him, he looks like an NHL player but I mean he's not top NHL player he's just you know five six and he's a big dude uh, but he doesn't look slow doesn't really look out of place to me he's got. A niche that's gonna help but he's you know he's gonna fight with uh, stanley cup champion and um you know just you michael delzato and then um holzer i mean he'll be there i think he's more brought in to be big and physical in case holzer's not there so essentially he's like is he a little bit better than holzer and that's where yeah. That's where I try and place him. Is he better than Holzer? Yes, Holzer becomes obsolete in my opinion at this point. I, the, and right now problem, we're just we're forcing him into play higher because yes, now we're missing yeah. three of our top four guys.
1: The problem for me is is he is maybe better than Holzer, but we can you know the again the, the problem there lies can we the fact that we can't determine if he's better than Kurbinian Holzer by just looking at it or looking at the underlying stats is kind of a concerning sign there. And just the fact that he he makes this much money, and the Ducks have him under contract yeah. for next year too. Like if this was a one off, and you're like, ah, you know, we brought him in, and we've got injuries, so oh, what? It is yeah. what it is, and he's gone at the end of the year. No, the Ducks have him under contract for just over four million for next season too, and Corey Perry's uh, buyout hit jumps from I think around two to six million. For next season, So the Ducks kind of get handcuffed in cap-wise, which doesn't affect them for re-signing players because there's nobody big that they have to re-sign at the end of this year. The only hit that takes is if they want to go out and add any players, whether it be at the deadline this year. Uh, Bob Murray never likes going after rentals, so you would think any addition would be a guy who has some term. That restricts it because you got to think to the future for that one. And getting guys in free agency, which I know Bob Murray doesn't do really ever. But it does kind of impact that. And the fact that it's Eric Branson impacting that at probably about two million to $3 million more than he should be making, that's that's the only concern I have with it. Because right now I get it. I understand the move. I wasn't against it in the fact that, you know, Josh Manson, you left yourself in a position that if Josh Manson got hurt, it was Kermitian Holzer and that's it. And you had a couple that's guys it. in the yeah. AHL. So you've kind of put yourself in this position. So a move had to be made. But I don't think that was the right move considering the term that he had.
0: Yeah, the the term's a little concerning, but I won't say a little. It's it's pretty concerning. Um, they, I don't know. I mean, they're they're gonna have to figure stuff out. But the one thing I think Bob Murray's pretty good at is working things around. And I believe at this point there's a few different teams that probably owe him a favor trade more than, uh, than uh, he owes other people. So I think he wants to give the team the best opportunity to at least make the playoffs because let's look at the Pacific Division and where are the Sharks? I mean, that was a team that we thought yeah, the, would be 1-2. Right
1: it's Edmonton, and Vancouver, and Arizona, I believe, are 1-2-3. and three. Vegas they don't is not right that far there, away. Right. not that far away. Yeah. So
0: I mean, like, if it's something where we can at least get back into the playoffs, get some maybe some more of that experience, that might be worth uh, you know the hard-pressed salary cap we feel next season. So uh, I can kind of see it. Like I said, I, I want to see a little bit more of Gabrunson playing in what his element's supposed to be, and that's five six, not trying to play above what what he can do and right now they're asking him to do that until players kind of get back into the fold I think once it gets back into the, everyone gets back in the fold he fills into where he needs to be and it doesn't look as bad yeah the price is pretty bad but I think we can always make moves around to kind of shed some of that salary cap it doesn't look as bad at the end of the season hopefully
1: just hope yeah Matt, Matt just chimed into the chat and said how would we feel if good Branson was sent down and claimed on waivers uh, that basically would just negate the whole thing. It, 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 yeah, <laughs> well, it, and I, I, don't think I think I'd be indifferent on it because you know I, I, I agreed with the move on a whole depth standpoint, but I honestly, before that move was made, I would have rather seen Yanni Hackenpaw come back up or Chris Weidman come up and at least get them a chance to see if they can do because I feel like they could come up and, and essentially do what good Branson is doing right now potentially, but we didn't see it. And the reason goodbranson the good Branson trade was made is because the ducks put themselves in a position where they had no depth down in San Diego, so calling up those guys wasn't an option and you had to go out and make a move and the big the big fish were were too much wristlinin was too much you you couldn't go out and get uh you know somebody else who cost more I mean we heard the the price for Ri was ridiculous so
0: well, I mean, not only not only Bristol line in, they were they were trying for Falk. They were trying for Shattenkirk. I mean, they were tr- like Bob Murray was trying to get an elite defenseman, a right handed shot defenseman could not make it work. And so at this point, you can go, oh, how Kate get it? It's like everybody else he tried to get either didn't want to come here. That's it. Didn't want to come here. Shattenkirk didn't want to come here. We offered him more money, more terms. I mean, you're not wrong. Did do it. Yeah. And and Shattenkirk fall, didn't fall want to come. Wanted, wanted to come here. He didn't want to come here. He wanted to go to St. Louis. And it's just like, okay, well, what's the dude supposed to do? I mean, he's he's at this point, this was in the works for a while. Josh Manson goes down. He's like, all right, let's let's pull the trigger now. I mean, whatever. And I don't think we gave up a ton. We just took a lot of salary cap. But at that point, we're desperate because literally Everyone has the perception that Anaheim's not going to be good for a while, and no veteran well-known name is going to come on this team, at least at that point, because the perception was Anaheim's not going to be good this year, they're not going to be good for a while, which was the wrong perception in my opinion. But
1: that's, that was the perception of the league. Well, we go from lack of depth to too much depth. So we mm. go from defense to forward for the Ducks. I was going to go looking at uh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) that the Ducks have a ton of depth uh, in net, but uh, looking at who led the way over these last three games, Sam Steele led the way with three points, all of them assists. He had a two two point night, I believe, against the Blackhawks, and had one assist in the last game. He started turning it on offensively. He's now up to six assists in thirteen games. But by no means is that lighting the lamp. But he's looked at home. He's looked probably the most consistent and the most NHL-ready of the four prospects that the Ducks have playing with the team right now. And he played a couple games at wing, moved away from center for a few of those games too. Are you impressed with Sam Steele? Are you, do you think he has? You know, there's more to give from him, or are you impressed with the way his development's gone so far?
0: I like where his development is. What I've heard from I guess you and Pat is like, oh this guy is, you know he's he's there, he's that guy and I feel like he's not up to that level like you guys will put him well ahead of uh, um, Henrique and maybe below Getzloff as far as uh, talent. And in my opinion, he's below Henrique. he can he's close, but he's not quite there. So I'm waiting to see where Sam Steele starts exploding past that. Now, obviously, short sample size, and in short sample size, he's done it amazing. But, you know, as much as I've heard about how great he is going to be, he hasn't hit that plateau, in my opinion. I think he's benefited from the fact that we don't have a lot of center depth, but he's very talented, and I am happy to see where he's at. And I think there's more to give, and I can't wait for him to hit that. Even picked him up in my fantasy league.
1: Well, in uh, which one did you pick him up in the keeper league, or did you pick him up <sighs> in the that's, I, that's a different whole different wish, strategy right there? Wish I
0: could remember, but I think it was the keeper league. All right, but I got come to on there too, so maybe I didn't. Maybe it was the other one, whichever one he was available in. Uh, that being said, uh, I'm happy with him, I think his development's better, Terry. Still, once again, I, I feel I don't know if I'm jaded because I've just I feel like the hype I'm waiting for the hype to match what I'm yeah. seeing on the ice and the hype that what's on the ice hasn't matched the hype yet. So Steele is probably more looks more comfortable. looks more in his element. Terry looks close to his element, but almost like glimpses of last year where it's just like he's he's there. But not quite there and he's just missing and the Max Jones same thing as last year it's like you can see the raw talent but he's just not quite hitting what he needs to do and then the defense has actually been more surprising the Mahura and the the Larson's coming in and, and doing their thing and looking normal and like in place like uh, in my opinion I, I feel those guys have looked more NHL ready uh than than the forwards but
1: yeah, let's yeah. let's let's break down uh, the rest of those guys. So we talked about Sam Steele, and, and mm-hmm. I think we can, I, maybe we can all agree that he's probably looked the best of the four. Uh, but you yeah. brought up the two of the remaining three, and Troy Terry and Max Jones, and then obviously Maxim come to us part of that. Yes, uh, yeah. this was a question we had last year, and you mm-hmm. just mentioned hype, and hype gets brought into it a lot when you're talking about prospects. I, I think. A lot of people, and you know, I've been victim of this before, and I've been guilty of this. But uh, we overhype what Troy Terry, Maxim Comtois, and Max Jones can become. And you look at their production so far, and again, they're still young. And for you know, for Comtois, this is his first, you know, basically really? is his first full season over playing ten games, and, and essentially it is for for Troy Terry and and for Max Jones as well. Troy Terry right now, two goals, two assists in seventeen games. Maxim Compton has two goals and three assists in 12 games. And uh, Max Jones has one assist, no goals in 13 games. Now, if we we take out their names and just put those stat lines up, it's not impressive, right? No. I I think there's concern right there that that you're getting a lack of scoring from three players who are playing. I guess two of those three are playing in your top six, right, or your top nine. And they're they're playing some significant minutes. Maxim Comtois isn't bad. Two goals and three assists in, in, in twelve games is, is not bad at all. It is close to you know a point every other game, so it's it's not awful. And uh, mm-hmm. I think he's probably looked second best. But I I do have some concern because I I feel like the the Ducks' lack of scoring and, and the way you know their system is set up this year, uh, it, it kind of impacts them a bit. But if we're talking about them living up to the hype and being the type of players that they've been hyped up to be, then it then you 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 can be concerned in that sense. Where I don't think these are guys on their own who can carry and drive play, and and, and in that then it becomes the players you put around them and how well they do. I feel like that's the pieces the Ducks have here in Troy Terry, Maxim Comtois, Max Jones. Is you put a good team around them, they can be a very effective players in in a top nine. But I don't think Troy Terry is a guy who's gonna is gonna carry a line on his own, and I don't think Maxim Comtois is gonna be a guy who can carry a line on his own. And, and Max Jones, I still as you know as great as his physical play is and, and his intensity and his compete compete level and his effort is, I just I still worry about the finishing ability. And you know we said last year that you know he was bad luck, and, and if that doesn't continue into next year, then it's not a concern. But we're 13 games in, he has one assist, and I know he's been playing a lot on the fourth line. But at some point you gotta you gotta get concerned about that, yeah, I mean,
0: I can understand being concerned, but I can also just understand that you know maybe in this one instance, maybe they're they're rushing him it sucks it he's he's kind of in that in between zone, and uh the the reason that they got or max Jones specifically got sent down was just that he has to work on certain parts of his game. And Dallas Akins even said, like, listen, he's he's got to be, I'm going to paraphrase here, balls to the walls if he's uh, in practice, in games. And
1: the other thing that he said is, I got, shoot. I got those comments if, yes. if so we can read them <laughs> off here. Just, I threw them in there because I knew they'd come up. But uh, yeah. some of the comments, if you haven't read it, it's from LA, one of L.A. Tifford's most recent articles. Uh, Great article. A- Aikens gave – gave some uh, pretty good comments on, on what Max Jones has to work on. Uh, and this is what he said. So he said, for Max, it's really simple. For each and every shift in every practice, practice, he has to be highly competitive. That's first and foremost. The second thing he's got to do is he's got to build trust and responsibility through great puck management. And the last thing is he needs to work for his chances and then be simplistic when they're there. That's something that comes. We had him in San Diego, and he was just prone to – he would get to it and he would have it in the slot, and the shot was there, and it was just one more move. He doesn't need it. The kid's got a rocket of a shot, and basically just goes on to say, like, Max Jones is making too many decisions when he has the puck, and we've seen that. You know, he's made some highlight real plays where he's he's deked around a defender, but the shot was there, and I think, you know th- like you said, I-, I think it was a mix of them sending him down as kind of a statement and also the fact that they weren't playing, so he gets a game in with San Diego. And then he comes back up the next day, so it's a mix of that. But they're just telling him to to you know make it a bit simpler, and and that's kind of been a problem for Max uh, through each of the levels that I've I've watched him at so far.
0: Yeah, he's got to figure out what he is as a player. Like I I can look at him and I can I can see a lot of a Matthew Kachuk type player uh, in Calgary, where he's he's got an edge to his game. He'll be you know he'll be in your face. He'll he'll annoy the hell out of you and he won't back down from anything but he's got talent at the same time and he can do it but yeah it just seems like the the one extra play to try and make something happen just ends up not working as well and if you could just be quick and and learn it that's just what it is now it's just quick shots beat goalies if you give a goalie an extra chance or an extra moment to to move get set up focus on you that's when you lose it i mean it might work and it might be a highlight real goal and great but if you keep missing opportunity after opportunity trying chasing the dragon there it's not going to work out so simplify it get those goals once those goals start happening now goalies start thinking you're going to shoot right away and then those other opportunities open up a little bit better you get a little bit bigger you get a little bit more um experience at when is the right time to pull that move and i think he's just pulling that move a little too often trying to get the highlight reel goal is just like put the puck in the net just ignore everything get the puck in the net get the dirty goals and you'll progress in your career and you can start doing those fancy things later
1: so is it is it as simple for max jones as just simplifying his game like it, it is it you know i, I love it, his game i love i, I love it. i love the compete level i love the <laughs> effort i love the physicality but the you know, is it is the offense going to come if he just simplifies his game like that? That's to me, and I get it, and and I agree with it in some sense, but it sounds sounds so vague for a player now over you know half season split between two different seasons that has struggled to put the puck in the back of the net. I, I mean, simplifying his game just kind of seems like a vague solution at this point for him. Like he's all of a sudden just going to become a twenty goal scorer if he just <laughs> stops making the extra move.
0: No, I, I don't think they're I don't think he's saying, you know, simplify your entire game. I want him to do everything he's been doing, and then the second the puck is there, slap at it. Just slap at it. Watch them start going in and and you, all of a sudden you got six, ten goals in a season. That's something to build on for next season. Next season you get a little bit bigger, a little bit smarter, a little bit quicker. I mean he's young enough that he is going to improve physically, skill wise, year after year. He doesn't have to try and play and make the skill highlight reel move every single time to score goals and I think if he keeps trying to do that and he becomes less and less successful it becomes he's, he's got all the right tools he's just not finishing it's almost in a completely <laughs> different physical aspect a Cogliano thing the skill is there the finishing touch just isn't I'd rather him do – because he can create plays on his own. He's very much like Akasha where he's dynamic. Where he do, It doesn't matter if he's playing on the fourth line, the first line, second or third line. The guy's going to create his own chances. He's going to create his own plays and his opportunities. But then he gets that opportunity and then he just tries to do that extra move or that extra two moves and it doesn't work out or he makes that one pass. that just doesn't make sense at the time. It's just – Focus on just getting the puck in the net. That's it. Just go hard, get those dirty goals, and then seasons passing, you'll eventually start getting that timing down, that that expertise of experience, and then you'll start seeing those highlight reel goals. I just feel like if he does that, he'll probably he'll be better than zero goals in thirteen games.
1: Right. Two yeah, goals I, last season. I, I think I think it's a slow burn with Max Jones mm-hmm. in the he'll sense that. he's going to be a project for a couple of seasons. And I think eventually when he figures it out, he's going to be a valuable piece in your top nine. Uh, It's just having the patience for him to get there. And and there there are plenty of players like this where they've got the tools physically and and just they're capable of of creating offense. It's just they haven't figured out that consistency at the NHL level yet. And we've seen players that – Come into the league and and teams will give up on on them and then they go to a new team and maybe it's right away or, or you know a season later they figure things out and then and you have the other team looking back on it saying why the hell did we give this guy up? I feel like Max Jones could be that guy. The Ducks are just gonna have to be patient and yeah. I think I think for him he's doing everything right and, and it just comes down to like they said in, in a way simplifying your game and, and just and just getting the experience. I mean playing a full you know seventy to eighty games this year is gonna be big for Max and. Maybe he figures it out quicker than, than we think, but I think for him it's going to be a bit of a project. Uh, Maxim Comtois has been pretty decent, as we said, and, and Troy Terry, I think, is is one to keep an eye on, uh, on whether he's going to, to figure it out. I, I, I think for where the Ducks got him in the fifth round, yeah. it, it's definitely not bad. But the hype, I think, that people surrounded around him is a little – it's put more pressure on him to be better than he has been because, you know, four points in 17 games is not good. It, it's not bad for a young player, and especially if you if you take everything out of the equation and say, you know, we drafted this guy in the fifth round. You know, he played NCAA. He's coming over. He, he's not played a full season yet. He's been, you know, mixing up lines, playing anywhere from the first, second, or third line, and he's got four points in 17 games, and he's looked okay. I think that's fine. But then you throw all the hyper that surrounded around Troy Terry playing at, at the World Championships and, and being a hero for the US the world juniors and, and being a hero at Denver and and like all of that on top of it, there was a lot of high expectations around around a guy who's probably, you know, around where he should be at this point.
0: Yeah, I I guess that's it. And they're giving him the opportunity to play higher up in the lineup. And yeah, I mean, if four points, I mean, Rowney, I think, has four five, goals, five four goals. Four goals and an assist, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so, I mean, and that's that's fourth line. What's Derek Grant at? I mean, so I'm more disappointed in how Terry plays. I guess that might be expectations, but it's also been waiting around. I uh, play at the end of the season, or I think maybe in the playoffs um
1: two years ago yeah two
0: years ago last year you know played the first few games was disappointing left you know got the whole build up being in the hl came in was impressive and then this year four points and two goals in 17 games that's just not where you have somebody who you're constantly putting your top nine and so i'm waiting for that to happen you know it's i'm more concerned about him than i am max jones like I think Max Jones has the body and the type to play. Uh Terry might, but you know, if he's gonna be a quick, skilled, fast player, your window is a lot smaller in the NHL nowadays. And so if you're not hitting that early on, you know, let's let's give him time early in the season. You know, we need that secondary scoring. So we, we need goals, and it's still not quite happening at the pace. We quite need it. And, you know, some of these young guys need to kind of step up a little bit. And I think Troy Terry was probably the one that everyone was looking at to produce more offense than anybody else.
1: All right. Last uh, last couple Ducks topics before we, we move into our new NHL segment on this show, which we'll get to in a bit. But uh, one of the last things I want to touch on here is Andre Kasha. He returned to the lineup against uh, the Minnesota Wild. After suffering what what turned out not to be a concussion, uh, it was a jaw injury. Mm. Is what it what is what it was reported as. Now you yeah. can, you can put on a tinfoil hat on that if you want, and <laughs> and uh, you know go out and, and make all kinds of kinds of conspiracy theories on whether he had a concussion or not. But it was reported as a jaw injury. Uh, but surprise, surprise, Andre Casha has been the ducks probably the Ducks best play driver when you look at the, the underlying stats behind it. His course four percentage, so the way, you know, he controls shot attempts at five on five is fifty nine point oh nine. His expected goals four percentage is fifty five point oh nine. And his high danger chances four when he's on the ice is sixty six point six seven. And all of those are either one, two or three on the ducks, and if you take out the guys who've only played a couple games Andre Kasia is usually number one in all three of those categories for the Ducks. Despite driving play, though, pointless in his last four. Yeah, but...
0: I don't care. <laughs> I mean, if he,
1: if, if he's, <laughs> he's doing, doing everything right,
0: if you look, if, I mean, he, he passes the the fancy stats, uh, the eye test. The only thing is, just the puck hasn't quite gotten in the net. Is, is he, he, the stat up sheet's up. the only thing that's not being his friend right now. And uh, he, you'll have that. You'll you'll get lulls. Tammy Solani went through uh, goal droughts uh, throughout his career. That's a thing that happens. But if he's driving, driving play, he's every time he's a threat at any point. Almost fought Greenwall the other night, which wouldn't have Greenway, been a good yeah. idea. <laughs> Greenway
1: is a big Greenway. kid. He's like six, six, I he's think. He's yeah, so. 6'6, and
0: he had an attitude that game, too. And it was just like a little bump. But like even like like Kasha gave him a little like, slash on the leg. I went, dude, you just came back from Giants where don't fight the biggest dude on their team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know, I mean that that guy's gonna get chances, gonna get goals. Uh, the only thing I ever care about, Kashi, is can he stay healthy? His his style is I don't want to say reckless. It's just it's high without, energy. It's without concern. It's like yeah. I, all I care about is that puck in that net, and that's that's my focus. It's like a, a dog. He's just and,
1: and that you, that
0: can you, be you, a you good chase, thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: but you it, can chase. It, can be bad
0: it's like a, ch- a dog chasing a, a, its tail or a card like uh, oh, uh what was it uh, from uh, batman uh, dark knight it's like a dog just chasing a thing if i get it I, I don't know what to do with it i just i just got it that's all i want and that's him it's just getting it moving it getting it to the net that's all he wants to do and he's super happy if he can do it but almost he puts himself in bad spots sometimes because of it so my only concern with kasha has always been just health wise He'll get goals. The stats will follow eventually. You just can't do what he does and not eventually get stats.
1: On that point then, two years out from what could be an interesting contract decision on Andre Kasha right now he's at a, a, a very team-friendly deal just making a little bit over $2 million. What goes into that contract discussion obviously a lot of it depends on his production over the next two years but let's just assume he you know scratches the surface on 30 goals and 50 points over the next two years how do you how do you approach that because you know i, I would assume at that point under a cash would be looking for a long-term deal somewhere around six or seven years to give himself some stability especially with the injury history but if you're the ducks do you do that do you risk the injury nope. and, and get him locked down or do you lock him in for short term two or three years again and hope that either he doesn't walk at ufa years or that you don't have to pay this guy a boatload more money if he produces at a high level in his prime
0: well um, you know his his prime I think is gonna be these next two years uh, when he's up for renewal it, he's unrestricted? Like, I mean, does he hit free agency if we don't resign him?
1: Uh, I'll double-check that. I, I believe... I believe restricted? He's, a, he's a still a restricted at the end of this contract, but I'll double-check b- before we, we get into that. But either way, it's... I uh, don't. It's...
0: I, I don't put long-term on Kasha. I, I was one of the people that, you know, even as... Falk hasn't done amazing in St. Louis, stats-wise. I'm still one of those people that would say I'd rather have traded Kasha, since that was the rumor, for Falk. Uh, in my opinion, um, you get that many concussions that early in your career, and that style that he plays leaves him susceptible to more. He gets a mysterious jaw injury that keeps him out for six games.
1: You don't believe Just, him, do you? You you think uh, uh, you, I mean, you do believe, a... here, Do you believe that was a concussion or do you think it was a, a jaw injury? I don't know a jaw
0: injury that doesn't somehow affect your your mind. And, and, and I'm I'm sorry if you have a jaw injury and you haven't fractured it. You just you put a protector over the bottom of it and right. you go on and you play again. You, you don't miss was it two three weeks you know he's just now skating with the team you got a jaw injury you can still skate no contact but you can still do stuff it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that he missed that amount of time wasn't skating for how long because he had a jaw injury a jaw well, he sprained his jaw I don't get me wrong that could happen but that doesn't keep you out of skating it doesn't keep you out of other things so uh, I, I'm hesitant to do that or, or think that that's the only thing I think maybe keep it undercover and hopefully it's nothing. but they said he passed percussion, you know, concussion protocol. But I, I I'm so wary of someone who's had a concussion every single year he's played professionally gets unexpectedly hit and it's a, just a jaw injury, which is a head injury. And then all of a sudden can't skate for a while. It's like, uh, all right. And didn't break it. No, all right. Um, Okay, all right, buddy. I mean, yeah, it, I just, guess, it just uh, doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I I'm guess we'll never know.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll never know. But they won't uh, Andre... tell
0: us. Ed. They won't tell
1: us. <laughs> no, uh, we're we're in the dark on that one. But Andre Kasha is an uh, RFA at the end of these next two years, so it's going to be an interesting contract discussion. I think a lot of that stems from one: if he suffers any more injuries before that time comes, and two, what uh, what his production is up until that point. If he doesn't. Uh,
0: if he doesn't miss any games due to injury from here till that contract ends, I give him a short term. I still don't give him a long term. At no point, I mean, as much as he drives play, as great as his upside, that downside is is ninety percent in my opinion. He's he's gonna get injured. He's gonna miss a time. It could be Dupre. he just he takes the wrong hit, the wrong time. You never see him play again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a tough decision. Uh, I, I'm. I mean, I still Ew. think. I, I still think when he gets to that point, if he hasn't suffered any more injuries, and he ha- if he does hit thirty, especially in back to back seasons, uh, this year and next, I think you gotta lock this guy down for five or six years. He'll be twenty five, and you you want to lock him through past you know thirty into thirty one. I don't think you go seven or or eight because I don't think you want to wor- you know him getting into thirty two or thirty three and. And once the speed starts to go, and I think that's a massive part of Andre Cash's game. He is a very cerebral player, but the the problem I think for him is once the speed starts to go, that I think that's going to be a big concern for a player who relies heavily on on the motor that he has. So I I, still, I think I think four or five, maybe six, I think is where I'd go. But it all depends on on the injury issues up until that point. Yeah. Uh, last topic we have before we move in into the the NHL segment, uh, Braden Tracy. Absolutely on fire with Moose Jaw. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to I, I update this because I, I don't know if he's played since the weekend, but the last two games that I checked up on him, back-to-back hat-tricks, mm-hmm. seven goals across that span. He's now leading the WHL in points per game. He has eight goals and eight assists, 16 points in eight games, so he's just eight balling <laughs> it up. Oh, is but, that it? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's been, uh, and I think the big, the big concern about Braden Tracy was last year he played with two OAs. It was his rookie year. Uh, sorry, overagers. So <laughs> those guys generally do a lot better, and yeah. uh, because they've been around the league for a while, and they're about three years older than uh, the other players in the league. So you never know if the production is his. And, yeah, uh, it's
0: easier to sync up with them and. Your stats go up a right. little bit higher because of it,
1: right? And uh, so Braden Tracy didn't. He he went pointless in the last game, but the last two games before that, he he played nah, some goals. It. And now nah, he's a dud. It's uh, it's over. But no, he he is leading <laughs> the the uh, WHL at one point seven eight points per game, sixteen points in nine games played. Uh, a, a pretty hot week for Braden Tracy, and then uh, Trevor Zegers still playing <laughs> on the top line for Boston Killing University. It. Scored a goal from his knees, which was pretty sweet. Uh, and then, before the, a couple weeks prior to that, he set up a, set up uh, Patrick Curry on the power play with a, a nice cross, ice pass, and he scored a pretty sweet goal himself. So he's he's uh, looking pretty comfortable. And I think you look at you know these were the top two picks for the Ducks last year's draft. Uh, pretty safe to say so far, early returns are looking good on those two guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, can't get him over to uh, the goals soon enough at this point because we need kind of help everywhere in that situation, so it's good. And One thing the Ducks do is they they draft well, so, um, you know, happy for it. It's good. Zegers is the guy we're hoping can kind of be that Getzloff replacement as the time becomes, so,
1: you know. Yay! Yeah, we hope so. Sooner <laughs> rather than later, because Zgris yes. has stated multiple times, and even when we had him on the show, that uh, he would like to play for the Ducks at the end of the season, depending on how his year goes in the NCAA. So hopefully we can see some of that. Uh, we, we're we hoping to get this in right at the hour mark, but of course we went a little bit over. But the, awesome. the new segment we have on the show is called The Shootout, and it's brought mm-hmm. to you by Cool Hockey, and that's where we kind of <gasps> talk about some of the, the biggest NHL headlines that have been going around lately. And uh, uh, the first one I had to get to, because we mentioned this on Pucks and Bruce, and we were talking about, I think, just the Svechnikov goal. Yeah. Maybe we discussed the Kachuk goal, too. But Andre Svechnikov yeah. scored the first lacrosse goal, not the Michigan. He scored the it was first the Michigan, lacrosse yeah. goal. Oh, yeah, the
0: Michigan goal,
1: yeah. Yeah, he scored the first one in NHL history. And then uh, the next night, Matthew Kuchuk says, hey, I, I, you know, whatever you can do, I can do better. I can do better. <laughs> and uh, he one-times a puck from the hash marks with a shot between the legs. Yeah. Uh, what, what goal for you was better? Which one, is, which one is harder and which one was more impressive? <sighs> the. Keep in mind, Andrei yeah. Stachnikov did not score this goal when they were up 6-1. to one. This was a, t- a game-tying goal later in the third period. But Matthew Kuchuk did a between-the-legs play
0: from the hash marks, beating, I believe right now, the best goalie in the NHL stats-wise as far as Pecorine, beats him top corner with one second left in overtime to beat the best team in the Western Conference, Nashville Predators. And he doesn't do it from in tight where he's like got time to think it out and do it. He literally just, there's the puck, oh, i got to do this move, shoots it, Somehow does between the lake, from that far away, that high, that quick, that accurately. I I gotta give the edge there to Matthew Chuck. As as great as the the Michigan is from Smechnikov, it's almost like, all right, I've planned this, I've tried this, I'm gonna do it, and uh you and, know, you know, it, it's good. We're split Sve- pairs here. Smechnikov <laughs> tried
1: this last year and it hit fair. the crossbar. So it's not like <laughs> And and as much as I think it takes a lot of skill to pull this move off, I you know I I can't pull this move off. I can't. Um, but we see a lot of kids are able to pull this off. This is a move like you mentioned this on on pucks and Brews, This gets anybody can do this now. I mean Michigan. not anybody, but you can do <laughs> this move. this is a move that isn't that the the, the technicality of it is not hard to pull off. But the yeah. balls to pull that off in an NHL game. I think he has to get some credit for that, especially in a tight game where they were losing. <laughs> but, yeah, for, for me, that Matthew Kachuk goal, uh, yeah. it, it has to take the cake. Like it, It's hard enough to pull that move off and get a top corner just from a regular standing position or coming up from behind the net where we see norm- normally this move get pulled off. But to one-time it, and get enough power on it to put a top <laughs> corner on a goalie who's six 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 seven, six six or 6-7 six, with yeah. one second left in it's overtime. Pure desperation and saying, this is the only way I'm going to get this shot on net. Just had it's no just, time for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that 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 has to take the cake. And I, I give Svechnikov all the credit in the world for pulling that move off. It, it was unreal, and, <laughs> and he ended up getting the game winner too uh, on that night as well on the power play, so... You know, all the credits what, stretch the cup but that Matthew Kuchuk will I think it, that one takes the cake yeah uh, yeah once
0: again just just splitting hairs on it but yeah I mean the 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 Michigan was done in 1993 or 91 or something like that so I mean the move has been there and even the you know between well, the legs thing thing
1: Merrick is, Malik right the the, oh, no. the, the the between the legs has been done before but yeah, I think its just done the, but it's
0: usually done either in in tight in, in close and you know it's a plan thing where Matthew Kuchuk was like Literally, there it is. This is the only thing I know how to do right now. And I'm just yeah. going to do it. And he does it. And he puts it And he does it from so far away. No one That's pulls that thing. move from distance. that far away. The distance and getting it top <laughs>
1: corners for me. Yeah. Um, next thing, and it's another debate question. Ooh. Can and, and we're looking at the way Vancouver's played this year. Can JT Miller, Elias Pedersen, and Brock Besser rival Brad Marchand, uh, Patrice <laughs> Bergeron, and David Pasternak for the best line? In hockey, and I know that you know, I I got laughed at on Twitter for this earlier. But if you look at possession and and, and shot attempts this year, Miller, Pedersen, and Besser are all, I believe, in the top five or top 10 points wise. I I think, other than Pasternak and Marchand, I I believe Bergeron's kind of been like the third wheel on that line where he has not been bad, but, but I think Pasternak's got 30 points in 15 games, and Marchand's right up there with him. But, man, Elias Pedersen has been on, on a tear. JT Miller's got, uh, I believe, 15 or 16, maybe even more points. And then Brock Bester's been very good. Like, the, there's a chance that they could be up there.
0: All right. Here's how I would answer your love of Vancouver from a Ducks perspective the Ducks have played both teams. Which top line have more success? Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm not gonna with nine. four goals or. We beat them two to one, and they. I think. Uh,
1: uh, I think Pedersen had. The, one the shot, question always oh, is: is the, is the line better? Not as David at, Pasternak, at, the best player at, of, of yes. the six. Yes, that line was
0: was or probably. can it be better? Anything could happen. Anyone can possibly be better, but is there anyone better right now than Pasta? Marshawn and Bergeron. I mean, no, technically,
1: right now nobody's better than Pasternak and Marshawn because Pasternak and Marshawn are one and two in league scoring right now.
0: Yeah, and then you need a center and a defensive center that's going to kind of help them out and let them be a little bit more productive. Trust me, have Bergeron on my fantasy team. I wish he was more involved in those points, but it hasn't happened. That being said. That line's insane, and it doesn't matter how you play them. They, you want to play physical; they can out physical. Uh, they can be out more physical than you. You want to do uh, quick transition games. You want to do fancy. You want to do defensive grind. They can do it all. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. They still, even when they lose, they lost to Montreal uh, five to four. They're still putting up points. That line just drives that entire team, and it doesn't matter how you play against them; they can match what you do and do it better. And that's the sign of a great line. Pedersen and everyone else, they, they got the skill, they get the opportunities, it's going to happen. But every now and again, they have a game against like, like they do against the Ducks. And it's just like, uh, oh, they were there? Huh, missed them.
1: Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I, I think the way played that David Pasternak is yeah. played and, and Brad, Brad Marshall. But I I, th- I I think, you know, in, in the sense, can they rival them for the, the best line in hockey? We Maybe. shall see. <laughs> it, it's not impossible, but it, it's it's definitely a steep slope to climb the way David Pasternak's been playing. On the topic of David Pasternak, 15 goals in 15 games, 30 points in 15 games. Can David Pasternak score 50 and 50? I don't remember the last time we had a 50 and 50. I, I believe it was Gretzky, but I could be wrong. Well, he had 50 in, what, 39 games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. There could have been somebody else, but I believe Gretzky was the last one to do it. I don't think Can... 50 and 50, yeah. Can, uh, 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 do
0: Can
1: he do now,
0: it? Can he do it? No. <laughs> you think no? Uh, uh, it's a it's a great start. October is awesome if if you're hitting your right strides and teams are just kind of doing a lot of transitions and getting they getting dialed in. Sometimes you're gonna be able to get four goals against a really good Ducks team that's on their fourth road game and they're not quite in sync. All of a sudden, once you get November, you. Get just where you have to start to get to close to your fifty, teams get a little bit more dialed in. They start figuring out where they're screwing up, and things get a little bit better, in my opinion. Um, and goal scoring's a fickle thing. I mean, it it happens a lot more now, where you can have a lot of those fifty goal scores. I'm not saying I'm opposed to him actually getting fifty goals in the year, fifty and fifty. That's, that's elite level, and, and even though we're seeing some really great goal scoring from certain players or points from certain players, uh, it's it's tough to do your first 50 games and, and do a goal a game. I mean, there's going to be lulls in there, and like I said, October's a really hard time to go like, this guy is projected to do... I mean, at this point, he's projected to do 82 goals. Do you think he's going to get that? No. No.
1: No. But I... I... It's 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 so tough to reach, and we're talking in in, in an era where Ovechkin is one of the best goal scorers of all time, and, and even he wasn't able to do it. it. It takes a certain level of skill and just luck, luck in in the sense that your line can stay that hot over uh, over more than half a season, and there's going to come a point where. You know, Pasternak's going to go four or five games and get one or, or no goals, and, and then it's going to be almost impossible to dig yourself out of that hole. You've, you've literally got to stay hot almost every game. You know, if you don't score in, in one game, you've got to go score two or three in the next one. And does he have the skill to do it? I think he does. But it's it, it the consistency thing is why this feat is one of the most impossible things to reach. And and just the the level of play and the goaltending that you have now, like y'all, it takes is a hot goaltender one night, and, and David Pasternak is, is a step behind getting fifty and fifty, right? So, it it'll be it'd be cool. It would be cool, and and, and you know, out of I don't like the Bruins a ton, but I love David Pasternak, and, and I, God, I I, <laughs> I love I, I hate that I have to look back at that draft where the Ducks took Nick Ritchie in front of him, but. A lot of other teams are kicking themselves, too. So Uh, moving from a guy who can score a lot of goals to a guy who literally can't do anything, uh, Milan Lucic is is just (laughs) a Boston connection. Yeah, in a recent game (laughs) between the Flames and and the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, Cole Sherwood was playing, Kiefer Sherwood's brother. And Mm. uh, Milan, you know, he goes to the net and he takes a little poke at, I believe, David Riddich. And Milan Luchas just decides to uh, give him a nice shot to the face for, for I, I, I guess, not no reason at all, but uh, takes it a little far, gets a two-game suspension, and then comes out and says he'll continue to defend his teammates despite the suspension. I don't know why Milan Luchas is such an idiot, but uh, he's kind of <laughs> always been like that. Do you think it should have been more? Because I feel like that type of play is intent to injure a player, especially when it wasn't like Cole Sherwood went out and, just knocked a guy out unconscious, or had a dirty hit. He just did what most any player does in that situation: is try to dig a loose puck out from the goalie's pads. And and I have no idea why Milan Lucic went just a wall and, and punched uh, him in the face.
0: Well, a normal rational person, even in the heat of a game, I wouldn't think go to that level. So it was a shot; it was saved, but he was still in there at quite honestly that that extra little slash as a goalie i'd be like dude and, and i could be like dude f you like i could be really pissed about it but i don't need someone coming in and just cold cocking somebody who's, who's never he's just like he was looking for the puck and it's just like hey give him a warning give him a face wash get in his face you know push him up against it you don't have to run him with a punch before you know the guy's even ready to to try and fight you know That's that's what I don't like about what Lucic did. Or you know, if you want to fight somebody, you get in their face. You pull in, it's like you, I'm fighting you. Let's do this. And if he doesn't, then you take his number and then you you dish out a hit later or something like that. But just to go up and just just soccer punch somebody like that, and it's not the first time he's done it, and that's why I don't particularly like. What Lucic brings to the game anymore? If you can't play hockey, this is what you end up doing. Oh, yeah. you're gonna. I'm gonna hide behind. Oh, I'm defending my teammates. Your goalie was fine. The even you know uh, Riddick wasn't all that mad. He, he kind of gave a look, and I would do the same thing. Is give a look. And he's like, dude, seriously? You know I had it. Like that would be it. It wouldn't be like, hey, everybody, let's have a you know, let's beat the crap out of this kid concussion. You know. It just it didn't rise to that level. So his the crow Magnum mind is a fickle thing, I guess. But he just completely lost his cool and just just did what he's used to doing. And I don't know if he's frustrated just about where his career is, but he's
1: he's. I think he's just mad watching uh, the line he used to play on uh <laughs> <home at> the <laughs> NHL, <sighs> and uh, the fact that he's not on it anymore. Uh, the, the the phrase or the saying uh "pick on someone your own size" kind kind of comes to mind there, in, in the sense that. You know, I I can understand. I, I don't I don't think no matter who it there was, isn't it could have really been.
0: a lot of Luchy-sized size. No, players but like I, you
1: know, Cole Sherwood is playing his first few games in the NHL. He's not a big kid. He's not known for being a dirty kid. Like you know, if if that is, you know, John Scott or Ryan Reeves or whoever in that situation, I I think maybe you can understand that they're maybe doing it for a different reason. But th- this is simply a kid just trying to. You know, follow up a shot, and just follow Followed up a up. shot, and and you know maybe he's a, a little amped up. It's just for a few games. I don't think that's a, a smart play. You know, even if that is Ryan Reeves, I, I don't think that's a the right play by by uh, by Milan Lucic. But you, you, grab time, jer- you, you, you grab the jersey,
0: you grab jersey, and just go like, dude, dude, like scare the shit out of the kid. That, yeah, that's it's like
1: that's all you needed
0: to do. You didn't have to cold cock him and just like watch him go down. And then on top of him, he kept trying to punch him. It's like. What are you doing?
1: Well, and, <laughs> so, and then he comes out and, and says he's going to continue do to defend it his team despite the suspension. Like, at that point, like, you're just delusional. Like, if if that's – what are you defending there? Like, what did what did Cole Sherwood do that prevented so right, that you needed to defend <laughs> your team by sucker-punching him in the face? I, I don't know. But, I mean, Milan Lucic will continue to do ridiculous stuff. So, I, I have no idea why uh, it was only it's, two games I, I but, thought yeah. this was an intent to injure a player. I, I, I would think it should have been at least five, if not more, because Milan Lucic is, is a guy who continues to do this on a regular basis. But as it was it the... that he he uh, he completely
0: he decks somebody. I think it was oh, who yeah, was I, it? I remember. He completely decked somebody, and the dude was just standing there, and he's just like, boom, just like just full on right and cross. I think it, and it was this season
1: him. too, right? No,
0: I th- no, know, seasons passed because I. Think he's done it. He's it done it so many times. When that... he did it. Yeah, he, did
1: it. I, he does it a couple times every year, but. So he's
0: been suspended for this roughing incident, but he, yeah, the unfortunate thing is that I think it's just going to take the next time for him. It's kind of like Sean Avery. It's just like you, you start you do enough of these BS things, and then eventually people go like, "All right, you're." You're just not helping. You're just, you're just being annoying. And, you know, you're not helping the team. You know, you can say you're standing up for your teammates, but we got guys who can score our goals and stand up for our team. I had James Neal. James Neal could it done.
1: Apparently, <laughs> uh, the news just traded Robbie Fabry to, to the Detroit Red Wings. So there's that. Um, so it's nothing to do with Lucchese. Stevie you. Y. Stevie Y is making moves for the Detroit oh. Red Wings. Oh. How bad they've been this year. Uh,. <laughs> I think that so. couple, we covered most of it. Uh, the last two things I want to get to. Uh, the New York Islanders have won 10 games in a row. Trotz? Yeah. Oh, uh, you, you answered my question. <laughs> I was going to say, is that, the, is that the Islanders being good or is that Barry Trotz being one of the best coaches in the league? I would lead 80% to Barry Trotz being one of the yeah. best coaches in the league because you, you look at On paper. so last, look at year, the paper. <laughs> last year he took, uh, Grice and, and Lehner to be one of the best goalies in the league. And and in Lehner's you know, defense. defense, he's been very good for Chicago, Chicago this year. Absolutely. So I, I got to give him some credit for maybe he is just a very good goaltender. But now he's also got Grice and Varlamov. And guess what? Varlamov's numbers this year are, are pretty excellent. And uh, Thomas Grice is, is playing pretty well as, at the same time. And, and defensively, the <laughs> Islanders are looking like a great team and they're, not get, they're just getting offense from everywhere. And they play a structured defensive style, and then you've got Matt Barzell and Andres Lee and Brock Nelson and <laughs> all these guys just kind of contributing offense, and somehow the Islanders have won 10 games in a row. Uh, yeah,
0: well, the the craziest thing to me is that, yeah, you, you'd have Liner in there whose career was dead prior to coming over on a win-year contract to the Islanders, and Grice the season before – I was like, "Dude's done. Career's over. He's just he's he's that bad. Things aren't working." Barry Trost comes last year. Uh, Leiners in the the final discussion for the Vesna, and they let him walk. And then they bring in Varlamov from Colorado. And we laughed you, at that. I he, think we laughed. laughed at that. Yeah, we're like, "There's no way he's going to be any better than Laner, But I had a little suspicion that the the goalie coach, uh, uh, Con Con C H O N. I'm really bad with names. I can't pronounce it. But he has followed Barry Trots everywhere. And everywhere he goes, the goalies get better. So between Pecarine between Holtbeast, uh, and Grice and Liner, uh, comes in, Varlamov comes in. And all of a sudden, the, the biggest key is that if you want to go, well, oh, the goaltending's just out of this world. Grice and Varlamov, neither one of them have played two games in a row. They have alternated every single game this entire season, even through their win streaks. Varlamov had a shutout. Grice played the next game, gave up one goal. Varlamov's the next game. I mean, it just doesn't matter. They're just going to keep going, and they're just so good. And that's what um, helped, in my opinion, Washington become what they were, was that Barry Trotz came over and created a much better defensive structure or belief system that worked so well with Washington. Let him walk. Didn't offer him. He went to the Islanders and all of a sudden become one of the best defensive teams last year. Still one of the best defensive teams. But if you look at paper, that team's not – Good like I mean and you know you look at the pay- the people on the team they just don't add up to a 10 game winning team and they'll they'll have a lull they'll, they'll fall out a little bit and they'll come back they'll do what they did last year but Barry Trots in my opinion I don't know this guy's been around since Nashville was a team. And <laughs> and he when they doing, came in, he
1: was doing wonders with Nashville too.
0: I mean, so, yeah, multiple I mean, hundred point seasons. I mean that
1: that dude is the coach. This guy got of uh, Alex Ovechkin to play defense, like yeah, and win a else? championship. <laughs> and yeah, and he won he won the uh, the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. I, uh, at this point, there are not many coaches better than him. Oh, figure. Uh, yeah, I, I I would struggle to put anybody in front of him at this point, just because. The, the, I can't. the fact, you know, there there aren't many coaches who can go from one team to another and then to another and continue that success with basically the same coaching style. You know, Mike Babcock went from Detroit being lauded as one of the best coaches in the league. And you look at the team that he was <laughs> that he had to coach in, the, in Detroit and goes to Toronto. And now people are, are arguing that, you know, maybe he should get fired. And, and Toronto media is tough and Toronto is still a good team. But, but they can't get out of the first round. <laughs> well, it's, it's you know, Barry Trotz went from Nashville to a Washington team who were just struggling to get past the Demons in the playoffs. They were always a good regular season team, but they just couldn't beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs. Barry Trotz comes in, completely changes it all up, and Washington wins a cup. He says, you know what? That's enough for me. I'm out of here. And he doesn't go to a contending team. He goes to the New York Islanders, the, the takes team them to the playoffs. Lost. You know, to a to insane. a team that, that lost John Tavares. Yeah. And he t- he brings them to a the playoffs. And they go past the first round. And which is which is a win for the Islanders. And then this year, people writing them off again. I was one of the people writing them off. And what does he do? He's got them on a ten game winning streak. And it, it's it's unbelievable because again they, they do not have The talent that you would say would be a team who's like ten and three right now or something like that eleven and three, but they 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 have you know Matt Barzell I think is a special player, but other than that even then and
0: and even him he's underperforming from what I expected like I mean this team's still clicking on cylinders that doesn't involve Barzell, Uh, but I mean that that goaltending that defensive side of things the responsibility everyone seems to. Get it's just insane. I think yeah, with Barry Trotz and I think that goaltending coach, it's just they they followed each other. They they're they're joined at the hip, and wherever they go, they have success. It's insane.
1: Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up. Uh, right now, uh, if they win their next couple of games, they will be the best team in the in the in the entire league <laughs> and in the yeah. Eastern Conference. Uh, Washington's still first in that division, and the Caps have been very good this year. So Barry Trotz is going up against his former team. Uh, Last topic I have to get. Normally I wouldn't care what Evander Kane is up to, but it involves a Las Vegas casino and the Sharks and Golden Knights first-round series in the playoffs last year, so I had to bring it up. Uh Evander Kane is apparently being sued for over $500,000 by a Las Vegas casino, and the best part of the whole thing is the lawsuit claims that Kane received these markers that he owes them between games three and four. Of the Sharks' first round series against the Golden Knights, so we we've heard this and we've talked about this, and everybody's kind of mentioned and, and players playing in Vegas, especially in the playoffs because they're there for a couple nights in a row. How that's going to affect them? Are they gonna Are they going to go to the casino? Are they going to go out and party? Well, it clearly seems like Evander Kane couldn't help himself. Uh, somehow, in a playoff series that uh, would be the place you would you would hope that he wouldn't be going out to a casino uh. or doing whatever. And a little he bit more like focused. He, <laughs> felt like he job. needed to go out between the games three and four of that series Drop and half blow <laughs> $500,000 at the casino, uh, lose it all, and then not pay any of it back. Uh, how I mean, does that happen
0: in the first place? Don't you have to, like... Put money down," he said. Like, oh, "No, I'm a I'm good for it. I
1: have, I have no idea. I, I mean, again, uh, I don't know. No, no. We above, above.
0: it's above our pay grade. But uh, yeah, if if I don't come with cash or with the chips that are needed to place bets, they don't take your bet. I, so I think I'm, if you, I'm always confused.
1: You, I, I think you know he's, I, I, I and again I wouldn't I'm, know, but I feel like he has some sort of credit, like street credit, in in the sense that. You know, he is a pretty wealthy guy. I would assume that I think if you come in and say, hey, you know, I'm again, they can't cash you out for five hundred thousand right there. And I don't think he's going to bring and walk around with five hundred thousand dollars. So it's you borrow the five hundred thousand dollars from the casino to buy the markers. You go out and play. If you win more than that, they cash you out at some point. If you lose, then eventually you have to pay it back. And it just seems like he either neglected to or forgot or whatever. Decided not to pay it back, uh, and, and again, I don't even care about that. I just love the fact that he was decided to do four. this between games three and four of the playoffs. Like it was head was in the right spot right there. Yeah, uh, I, they ended up winning that series, so maybe you know that ends up being a good thing for them. But well, so anyway. it's not like uh, it's not like they should have, but yeah. But uh, again, I'm not. I'm also not surprised. It's, it's Evander Kane who is was the player who's uh having these issues he's had issues in the past with money and with casinos so' I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not super surprised <laughs> that this is happening
0: yeah I'm sure just uh, add to the fodder between uh him and Reeves uh every time they uh beat not you pay your debts <laughs> you can just see Reeves is just going at him for something else so
1: oh I almost forgot this okay last topic before we end the show and it should hit us right at an hour and a half uh, the Dallas Stars and National Predators Winter Classic jerseys. Ugh. I hate them both. I don't know how you feel about it, but I absolutely hate them both.
0: Every time a new jersey comes out, everyone's usually really like uppity about it. Because, I don't know, people hate change or they, they like it the way they was. Why you got to change? You got to do something different. Um, I hate these. Like I usually give them, you know, a little bit of grace. It's like, hey, they tried something new. Maybe it's not the greatest, but hey, I can see what they're doing. Nashville's are god awful, horrible. It's, the it's years of a John year Oliver.
1: We got <laughs> right. some very cool retro jerseys from teams yeah. like uh, LA's throwback to the Chevy type jerseys that th- those are sweet the, the blues throw back yeah, yeah the phoenix so having bad. the the kachinas oh, uh winnipeg's it. heritage classic jersey is is really nice calgary's heritage classic jersey is nice and then you know i'm i'm not so surprised that nashville messed it up because <laughs> like it, it just I felt like there was nothing they could do because their jerseys aren't that great to begin with. And all they did yeah. was just go with a striped different colors and just in cursive write Nashville Predators on it, which is just they actually paid somebody to design that for them. I could have is... done that, but yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, well, maybe they get to raise that banner. Uh, worst uh, uh, classic jersey ever. <laughs> As they like raising banners that have nothing to do with anything significant. So. And, maybe
1: and it was then Dallas... Dallas, at least there's a story behind it because I think it, it throws back to an old jersey from the past that was like maroon and tan. So they got the tan pants, and then they just kind of popped that D Stars logo onto their uh, onto their jerseys. But it just it going deep on that one. It doesn't look good. Uh, I mm. I understand that you know they wanted to go the green, but the the striping and the whole. The whole way, the green and the white mix on that jersey just isn't good, and then the logo itself is just all white. And yeah, I mean, wanna... it's just it's 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 not great. I, I I would give the Eds to the stars having the better jersey of the two, but it's just basically picking which one's the least ugly at that point.
0: Now, what is it? Is it um, what what kind of series
1: is it? It's not heritage, right? Or it's the Winter but... Classic. It's the Winter Classic. So it's like one, well, yeah. So there's one Winter Classic every year. Then there's (laughs) Stadium Series. Stadium Series and the
0: Heritage Classic, Classic, which is always Canadian teams.
1: Um,
0: I would rather see like new ideas. I I get, oh, we're doing a classic. I don't even know why they really call it the Winter Classic. I mean, the Winter Classic is just like, I don't know why they would call it a classic at that point. I would just say you know, call it the Winter Spectacle. Or, you can call it a classic if you want, but I don't understand the need to try and go old school
1: with it. Yeah. Make that yeah, the heritage thing. Teams have overboard the, on going nostalgia, like like, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like come up with something brand new, something neat or interesting teams and just a different that. concept. Yeah, just, the stadium I'm series is always that. that um
1: and and that was the first time
0: they did the all orange was the the ducks uh doing the stadium series and that thing actually ended up sticking around we still use that now i'm a lot of teams who
1: who used to kind of push the envelope and have new things for winter classic that's why i looked forward to them and and now and i i guess nashville a little bit they tried to do that because i don't know what they were throwing back to at this point uh probably a good idea that they didn't throw back to anything that they had in the past. I like but... that little uh, saber-toothed cat. It kind of comes out at like a forty-five degree yeah, angle. Uh, I'm okay I with don't it. Know. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just I think it was lazy <laughs> on their part. They literally just cursive wrote "national predators" on the yellow patch of that jersey. Uh, they could, you know, the striping I thought was cool. And if you would throw a logo on there, just a different logo, it probably looks better. Don't, yeah, don't There's make me going. read your jersey. Just, just yeah. give me
0: something that tells me in, in cartoon form. The
1: Jets form. did that, yes, last year with that blue jersey where they wrote Jets in cursive, and, and that was bad too, so I don't know so why it. Nashville did that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a game I'm probably not going to catch. I think even with the jerseys, I don't think I was going to watch Nashville and, and Dallas to begin with. But, uh, man, the Ducks need to get one of these. We need and, and it's tough to have a winter classic in California. So it's basically Well don't make it here. Just put our team somewhere where it's wintry. <laughs> yeah, have us a winter classic against Colorado. So it's not Colorado happen. has a stadium series game or some type of game this year against LA, I think it is, right? So there there's a chance there that you could you could have an event like that. I want to see the Ducks back in one because selfishly I just want to see another jersey
0: yeah um well keep dreaming uh the, the ducks aren't on the east coast they're not canadian and they're not cold weather teams and so not LA. uh they all they yeah yeah they're not la and if it was uh la and uh, they won a couple stanley cups earlier this decade then maybe but probably not so keep wishing
1: yep well that <laughs> uh that's it and uh yes. we're on to the new format for good now Uh, Next show would be normally Sunday, so it's Wednesdays and Sundays. If you're listening to this for the first time and you had no idea that we switched the format, we've moved over from post-game shows to twice a week, Wednesdays and Sundays, except for when there's a Ducks game on a Wednesday or Sunday. So, for example, this week there is a Ducks game on Sunday against the Oilers, so we will be back either Saturday or Monday, probably Saturday Saturday probably Monday would be a little bit weird having three shows in one week. So Saturday's likely when we'll be back. We'll be back here on Twitch. But uh, yeah, I, I, hopefully Pat will be there. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it to, to tonight's show. So uh, hopefully we'll all be there on Saturday, which is nice to have all three of us back on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one will be that one will be interesting on what we're going to talk about because there are no ducks games between now and and, and Saturday. I'll come
0: up with some some really cool so we're, yeah, we're
1: gonna be we're gonna be stretching hopefully there's some ducks news in in general on uh, yeah. stuff like that but we'll we're, we're planning on obviously being more prepared for these shows in the sense that we can actually have a couple days to prep and we're not just going off of what happened in the game so we hope you guys enjoyed the the new format for the show and uh, like i said we'll be back on uh, saturday so yeah. we'll uh stay tuned for twitter on uh, when that uh, show, what time that show is going to be, because it, you know, oh, the, yeah. the, the midweek ones are likely always going to be around this time because it works out for, for you guys uh, coming home from work and, and getting yeah. things set up for this time. The weekend ones, we have a little bit more freedom to possibly explore going earlier. So we're yeah. like I said, stay tuned on, on that one. So we, we could go, you know, around five or six Pacific, maybe seven. will We'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, you'll figure it out. But two things real quick. Uh, We're going to have our first watch party of the season. That will be on the 23rd, I want to say.
1: Yeah, 23rd against Tampa Bay.
0: Yeah, against Tampa Bay. It's a uh, 4 o'clock game, so it's going to be at the lamppost. It's in Yorba Linda. It is going to be West Yorba Linda. We will tweet out and keep Retelling you what the address is once I actually figure out the new address, but it's a brand new place Um, friend owns it she's a hockey uh Uh, wife uh, her husband i play hockey with all the time but anyways they have a lot of beers on tap they have a brand new thing big screen projection tv huge area for us so it's going to be just a a buttload of fun and usually we get about 30 to 40 other uh rabid ducks fans there so uh come and join us once again that'll be the 23rd against tampa bay starts at four we'll probably be there at about three or so
1: yeah if you came to the last one there's no trains at this one but yes, this so, one is
0: train-free.
1: Train-free, which should, should already make you want to come back into it. So you can, if not, uh, the beer would be the other reason. Yep, and it's not outside, so you don't have to worry about the, uh, the projection screen flying yes. away again like it did yes. last time. <laughs> Conditioned space. Yeah. So make sure uh, make sure you guys come out for that one. Now you said you had two things. What was the? Oh, cool uh, hockey. Let's not forget that
0: uh, supporters of the show. And uh, once Sponsors again, of
1: our new segment, the shootout, where we talk yes. HL news. Because got to give some credit to, to cool hockey for that too. Yeah, so you go to
0: coolhockey.com, use our promotion code FM20, you get 20% off of any jersey, customizable. Also, you can uh, do our forever mighty three stars uh, 45 minutes before any game. We post three to four questions. All you got to do is just try and guess it right, and who knows, at the end of the month, if you guess most of them right, you win, and you get a brand-new customizable jersey. That means numbers, name. Logo. Even if you're not a Ducks fan, why would you be? You can still pick whatever jersey you want, and it's completely free because Cool Hockey is sponsoring this. They're cool guys, and uh, they absolutely are a friend of the show.
1: Yep. And uh, Daryl was our winner for October, and he's getting himself <coughs> a new orange third jersey with John Gibson on the back. So. Uh, uh, if Boy. that's your cup of tea, then make sure you go and uh, you enter that for us. For everybody on Patreon, we will have some uh, new bonus shows coming out for the month of November. Uh, Brett asked us about when the Bobby's Bargain Bin game show is coming. Uh, you know what? Hopefully, we can we can do that for this Saturday show yeah. because uh, what we talked about for that is is people from Patreon are the only ones who could be participating in the show, but that's going to be one we're going to broadcast live, so... It might just be easier for us to kind of just throw that in and, and package that as part of Saturday's show so we'll uh, we'll reconvene and and we'll talk to Pat about that and, and then hopefully we can we can finally get the first installment of Bobby's bargain bin uh, set up <laughs> Saturday game shows love it <laughs> all right all right guys take care and then uh, stay tuned to Twitter for when we're gonna be back on Saturday